Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in to Shine On today. Do you know someone who suffers from chronic back pain? A doctor has a simple adjustment that could have amazing results. And we're going to learn how to play with crystals and sage and singing bowls. But first, March is here, and I have met a delightful earth mama who is awaiting spring just like we are. Serenityinthegarden.com is where you can find Jan Johnson. Her two gorgeous books are Heaven is a Garden and the latest one, The Spirit of Stone. So inspiring. Where did Jan Johnson's love for and connection to nature begin? I grew up in New York City, so I didn't have that much contact, but I always loved being outdoors in nature. The thing that led me into landscape architecture and garden design was when I went as a student to Japan and I saw the legendary Japanese gardens and fell in love. Oh, wow. I got chills. What a wonderful thing. How old were you then? I was 19. And you knew right away, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I just said, the feeling I had when I walked through those gardens and all the stress just dropped off of me, I said, whatever this is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to make outdoor spaces that make people feel the way I feel just right now. Yeah. You know, I have a tiny little backyard. It's little, but it's got a fence around it, and it's my sanity. That's right. It's your sanctuary, right? It is my sanctuary, and there's yeah. nothing about it that you would find <laughs> attractive. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's it, it's not lovely in any way. But to me, and the little flowers that I have around, it makes me so happy. But now that I have your books, I feel so inspired, and I think. Oh, thank you. That, that was my intent. Oh, and it's and I want to put the first thing I want to do is put a um a stone bench in the ah. backyard. And, and I talk about stone, like when you sit on stone, it's different than sitting on a wood bench because the stone grounds you. It really does connect you to the earth energy. Do you want to talk a little a bit about that? Did, were you tuned into the earth energy before you became this landscape architect or did it grow from that? I think being attuned to the earth was something that made me veer towards landscape design. And there's a lot of us out there that, you know, some people love to go sailing and they just get their, their energy from the sea. Well, I'm, I'm an earth mama. I get the energy from just having my hands in the dirt or my feet on the, on the grass or whatever. And, uh, and so that's, it's kind of uh, get recharged every time I'm out there. Right. So your new book, The Spirit of Stone, let's go there. Let's talk about the spirit in stone. What do you mean by that? I, I define it in the first chapter, like, what is a spirit of stone? Well, stone kind of condenses time. It's the past and the present and the future right there in that stone. I mean, we come and go, but the stones are there. And the Native Americans called uh, big, large boulders the memory keepers because they're, they're part of this earth. We are the visitors, but they're, <laughs> they're the denizens of this world. And so I think that's what I meant by the spirit of stone. Yeah. You know, I, I've hugged a few trees in my time, I will admit to that. But when yep. I'm out hiking in the Hudson Valley and I come across one of those enormous rocks, like it's two stories high and, yeah. you know, the size of a, a Winnebago wide, I have got <laughs> to go up and just lay my whole body on it. And just touch it. And just touch Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And say, I, you've, you've been here for so long, you know stuff I don't know. And you see, Mid-Hudson Valley especially, we are, ju- we are blessed with the most amazing rock outcrops. 
Yeah. Amazing. And you probably know, like, what error they're from and all like that, right? Well, frankly, I don't. I, I, I don't know the geology too well. I know some of the names and all. But um, I was a rock climber when I was younger. I lived up near Mohonk Mountain House. And uh, so I do have a very intimate relationship with the rocks and touching them. It's so wonderful. Now, here we are. We're approaching spring. Everybody, well, people of a certain ilk, can't wait to go outside and get their hands dirty. What kind of advice can you give us for our backyard gardens or backyard sanctuaries? Oh, I would love it. You know, I would love to give advice. I, I love this stuff. Well, the first thing is, is don't pile on the mulch. You know, in the springtime, you see these fellows, they come around, they're mulching all the beds for people, and they make these mulch mountains around trees. Resist the urge to do that because it re- the plant, the, the soil needs to warm up, and the plants respond to the warmth of the soil. And so um, sometimes mulching too early, actually, it's like putting a blanket on the soil, and it the soil doesn't warm up as quickly. Aha, uh-huh, because it does look so pretty. My neighbors have trees in their yard, and they make the little mulch mountain around the bottom of the tree, and it looks yeah. pretty. Yeah, but that's that that's when it piece of advice because uh, these guys will show up they would like to make some money early in the spring they say let me mulch your beds no 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 let the sun shine on that soil let it warm up and then the microbes the all-important microbes start you know coming alive and everything starts working so that that's number one number two is pruning march this is the time to prune a lot of the uh, trees and and some of the shrubs before the uh, growth comes out oh do that now yes a, a lot of them because you know once you start to see the leaves that means the energy has already been going into creating the leaves so you prune now and then when it's time for the leaves to pop out that the plants will be small and ready to grow up great you mentioned the all-important microbes i don't know a thing about the microbes could you share oh my goodness what i always tell people is and this is an old adage you don't put a ten dollar plant in a two dollar hole you put a two dollar plant in a ten dollar hole take the money and put it into making beautiful rich healthy alive soil and then the plant roots will just go crazy you know, everybody tends to do that the opposite way. They'll buy the big, expensive $50 plant and then just dig a hole and stick it in the ground. No, 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 no. Buy that little plant and then spend all the money on, like, compost and and um, topsoil and add that into your soil and then plant the plant and it will take off. Okay. For those of us who can't compost, is there something you could recommend, like an yes. over-the-counter thing? What's safe? Yes. I love this stuff called lobster compost, which you can buy at certain places. But any kind of really rich compost or compost slash manure mix in a bag, you know, you you don't need a lot of it, you know, when you add it to your existing soil. And that has those microbes that when they start to get into the soil and do their thing, they're the ones that create the food for the plants. Uh Aha, because they're breaking down other things? That's right. When you add that liquid chemical fertilizer, it's kind of like giving giving speed to the plants. It's not really uh, earthbound food that's coming from the soil. It's just kind of like giving them drugs or something. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is you need to make the soil full of these little microorganisms from compost or from or kelp. Kelp. You can use this 
kelp fertilizer, which is uh, seaweed-based, and add that to the soil, and that will make it come alive. Okay. It's all about living soil. I'm writing all this down. I've got to get my plants into rehab. Yeah, they've been on the, the soil. It's all about the, the soil. soil. Okay, let me ask you this. I know if you buy some plants at a big box store, they've been sprayed. Some of them have been oh. sprayed by bad things. Can you tell you know us about more that. about that? Yeah, the neonics. What they do is they put this chemical that the plant absorbs into its whole body, the stem and the leaves, and then that chemical prevents, like, say, Japanese beetles from eating the plant. And you think, oh, this is wonderful. But the chemical also goes into the pollen in the flowers. And then when the bees come and take the, the pollen or the nectar, they get poisoned wow. because the plant has it in its body. So this is why we have a bee problem. This is why the bees were dying. It's because of this chemical, these you know insecticides. So there's a big push now not to buy plants that have this neo, I can't say the whole word, but it's neonic um, application. Right. And, and now the plants have to be labeled. Thank you. They I'm do. So happy about Thank it. you. Yeah. That, 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 that legislation yeah. went quickly. Where's the yeah. best place to buy uh, plants for our backyard? Well, now, you talk to a, a book person, and they'll say, please go to your independent bookstore. You talk to a plant person, you say, please go to your independent garden center. It's trying to keep, you know, the small business people alive, and they give you that extra level of service, whether it's the bookstore or the garden center. Mm-hmm. So although it's easy to go to the big box stores, you may not find anybody who knows anything. Right. So I always say, please go to the garden centers. And should that, we ask, have these plants been treated with anything? Please, please ask, please. The The box stores probably have the bad guys, uh, but the, I bet you the garden centers now at this point, they don't carry that. It's really a serious problem. It sure is, because I read somewhere that it once once the bees are in danger, the earth has like four years or something like that. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of our native plants are, are designed to be pollinated by our native insects, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when the native plants disappear, then the insects have no food, and that's another problem right. that's going on. Right. You know, people say insects, yuck, I hate bugs, right? But, you know, in, in the um, last 40 to 50 years, we have lost 45% of our insects, which wow. is scary. Remember as a kid, I don't know for you, but when I was a kid in, in the summertime, the bugs would be so thick, you'd have to use your windshield wiper because they'd hit the uh, windshield of your car mm-hmm. as you drove. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. but we don't have that anymore. They're and that's gone. because we've been spraying the heck out of our backyards and front yards. and We've been spraying with all this stuff, and we're losing our native plants that they need to, to thrive. They, you know, they can't use the Japanese imported plants. And so... Um, it's a it's a very serious problem. Yeah. Plant native plants, don't use any of those insecticides. Heaven is a Garden, The Spirit of Stone. These are the two books from Jan Johnson. And if you go and get your hands on these, you're going to feel so happy. They yes, feel thank good you. in your hand. They are a delight for the eye. This makes me want to go right out in the backyard. Can you suggest any any plants or things that we should put, you know, first of spring as early as we can? 
You know, there's a plant called uh, witch hazel. It's a small tree, and it's one of the very first things to bloom, you know, kind of at the same time that the yellow forsythia are blooming, but they're a native, and they've got great energy, witch hazel. I would say look for that one. All right. Small and where, tree. where can we find you, more of you, your website? Do you go out and give talks oh, and things like that? I give, I'm give. i giving a talk at the Connecticut Flower Show in Hartford. I'm available for garden groups anywhere at garden clubs and my uh, website is called serenity in the garden and my company i have a landscape design firm right here based right here in westchester and it's called johnson landscapes and pools all right any last thoughts for our listeners this morning get out there and enjoy the air even if it's a little bit cold and don't forget to overlook those those rocks in your yard they're very important I just love this woman, Jan Johnson. Look for her books, The Spirit of Stone and Heaven is a Garden. And let me know if you'd like a copy of either at caseyradio at gmail.com and visit Jan at serenityinthegarden.com. Let's keep our connection to the earth with Victoria Vero. She's one of the exhibitors at the upcoming Awaken Fair, March 26th, the Doubletree in Terrytown. Victoria owns the Bodhi Tree Crystal Shop in Newburgh and Sugarloaf in the Hudson Valley. And she's got a few locations down in Florida, too. She's giving us a peek into the magical powers of singing bowls and white sage and crystals. Crystals have an energy. Everything has an energy field. You have an energy field around you. You know when someone gets too close to you. Um, They sort of enter into what I call your dance space and uh, you're like, get out of my space. You're talking a little too close to me. Um, And that's that's your energy field. You feel it. So with uh, crystals, they also have an energy field as does everything that is organic. So the energy around a crystal, when you pick it up, you add that energy into your energy field and it acts as sort of, I call it a spiritual back brace. It sort of builds you up in that area that you might be drawn to that crystal for. The number one crystal that I recommend to everyone is amethyst. Uh, it's probably crystal that most people have in their possession already. Uh, it's the birthstone of February, so every February baby has has an amethyst piece, I'm sure. Amethyst is this quartz crystal that has inclusions that make it this beautiful, deep purple. And amethyst is the one stone to have if you you only had one stone. Amethyst is um, a stone that works on all the chakras. The chakras are the energy centers of the body that connect us to the earth and connect us to the heavens and connect us to each other. So it works with all of those energy centers. It's both a protective stone, meaning that it, that root chakra, it protects you, protective energies, and it connects you to a more spiritual plane. So that's the one stone to have if you were only going to have one stone. Ah, that's great. And, I actually keep one in my dog's water bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that great? And that's one that you can. A lot of people do do gem elixirs, when, which is putting the crystals in or near the water and letting the energy of the crystals flow through the water. And right. it's a very, it's a stone for health, so that's probably going to help your dog to live uh, a little bit longer and a little bit more centered, happy life. Yes. Now, what of white sage? White sage is, unlike cooking sage, white sage is the same sage that is burned in ceremony. So it's burned to clear out negative energy. Sometimes people say spirit that are negative. Um, I tell people when they're cleansing with sage that if you're 
great-grandmother has passed in, into spirit and uh, you have a feeling that she's watching you and protecting you, Burning Sage isn't going to take her away. It isn't going to send her away. Sage only releases that which is less than light or, mm. for lack of a better word, negative. So it releases uh, negative energy back to spirit to be transmuted. White Sage takes away anything that's less than light. Mm-hmm. I never heard that before. That is very interesting. There are things that are of the light, and there are things that are less, less than light. Less than light. What a beautiful way to say that, Veronica. Beautiful. So so you'll use this to like clear out your space or freshen things up in your home? Yet you can even use it. We call it smudging. It's not just me, but everyone. When, they, when you use this the smoke to clear, to cleanse. Right. And you can even use it on your husband's chair. <laughs> on your husband's chair. Terrific. And singing bowls, Tibetan singing bowls, how do they affect our energy? Well, sound is a vibration, and vibrations move through us. So by playing certain vibrations and letting those move through our energy field, it has different effects. Um, sometimes it's cleansing. I often use one in, in the stores where I can't... Um, burn sage, I'll use uh, the Tibetan singing bowl and walk around the store to clear and clean the energy of the store. And the bowls are attuned to different, to the, again, the word chakras, attuned to the different chakras, the different energy centers of the body. And sometimes they'll work with that particular energy center to uh, either clear that chakra or open that chakra or help you to use that chakra in a better way. Got it. Okay, so if amethyst is the one stone we should have, is there a particular singing bowl? Like if we we're just going to get one, what would that be? If you were just going to get one singing bowl, and again, there are so many, there are hundreds of different types and styles of singing bowls, but they're usually attuned to the different chakras. And if I was going to recommend one singing bowl, I would say heart chakra. Get one that's attuned to the heart chakra, which I believe is F. And uh, because that, that tune will help us to heal so many more things than just any other chakra because we tend to all have something going on in our heart chakras we're human yes we are veronica vero of the bodhi tree crystal shop will be at the awaken fair and you'll have lots of beautiful geodes and specimens on display and we can buy some rocks too and where can we find the bodhi tree in real life oh in real life you have a few choices uh we are up in uh the Hudson Valley in New York. We have a store in Newburgh, in the Newburgh Mall. We have a store in the Artisan Village of Sugarloaf. And then if you happen to be listening to this uh, on streaming from far away, we also have stores down in Florida. We're in uh, Pensacola, Tallahassee, and Gainesville. You know, I have a husband from Alabama, and he tends to uh, like the warmer weather, so so we work it out. All right, where can we find you at the Awaken Fair? Do you know what your spot is yet? Usually, I'm set up right next to the speaker room. Look for Veronica Vero right next to the speaker room at the Awaken Fair at the Doubletree in Terrytown, Sunday, March 26th. Visit awakenfairs.com for tickets, and I will see you there. We will also see Dr. George Gertner there. He's a chiropractor who performs a different kind of adjustment on people who suffer from chronic back pain. It's called the NUCA procedure. Dr. George Gertner was once a patient who was greatly helped by this gentle correction. The pain- 
pain is in my low back and into my legs, but the adjustment takes place only in the topmost vertebra called the atlas, right next to the brainstem. And I was very hesitant because, again, my pain wasn't up there, but after the pain got so bad, I would try anything. I went to go see this, this guy, Dr. Friedman was his name in Atlanta. I went there, and in one adjustment, I felt 50% better. This is after a year of regular chiropractic and therapy did nothing for me. Okay, what's going but, on in the atlas that causes this great result? Well, the top vertebra of the atlas is the only vertebra that does not have a disc above or below, so it's the only freely movable segment. With regular chiropractic, they're going to manipulate or adjust, and no disrespect to traditional chiropractic because it's great for certain things, but in a lot of severe cases like mine, it was ineffective because if you're, if you're moving different segments, you might feel good temporarily, but the only way to stabilize the entire spine is through the topmost vertebra. That has to be fixed completely perfect back to normal. Okay, why when is that, that happens, the only way to stabilize the spine? If you're adjusting one or two different segments, mm-hmm. you could put motion in the spine, but it doesn't reset the spine. And there are other techniques that are effective as, as well, but this is the best way because it's the only vertebra that is truly movable. When a patient comes in, we do a three-dimensional digital x-rays at the top of the spine, and we calculate how the topmost vertebra has misaligned, and even a quarter of a degree or a millimeter off is going to cause the spine to shift out of place. So how you can understand if your head is tilted to one side, you don't fall over. But if your head tilts two degrees to the right to counterbalance it so you don't fall over, automatically your pelvis is going to have to tilt, say, two degrees to the left. That might be oversimplified, but that's kind of how it works. So if the head tilts one direction, the pelvis has to rotate the other direction, that's going to cause low back issues, and that's what happened to me. Then I had a problem in my low back. But if you just adjust the low back and you don't fix the top, it's not going to go, it's going to go back in place, back and forth, back and forth. So by correcting the head and shoulders back to its upright, stable position through this procedure, the pelvis balances out and usually gets permanent results when we're done. Wow. So it's, it's, very, it's very different. So you have to stabilize the top to get the bottom to go down. Stabilize so the top pre- to get the bottom straightened out. All right. And this is called NUCA. It's called the NUCA correction. On the first visit, we do the x-rays and the special nerve scans to see how the nerves are affected. And the nerve pressure can cause neck pain, back pain, headaches, any number of symptoms. And after we do the first correction, we do another series of x-rays immediately afterwards. And, when we, and the post-x-rays are going to show that the spine is corrected or not. And very few types of chiropractic procedures take post-x-rays after the, after the adjustment is done to, to show that it's actually been corrected. We do that. And about 80% of the time, you'll see a nice improvement. Sometimes there's not a, a significant change, and then I'll go back and I'll do it again. So it's really more like engineering of the spine. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And after the correction is done, we do another set of uh, scans, the nerve scans, of the following visit and the nerve pressure disappears and that's when you start to see people getting very great results oh boy and there's nothing like having back pain relieved back pain is, is besides the common cold it's the most common ailment that people go through yeah and this is a way of fixing it usually back to normal and when it's corrected typically patients come back once a month or so once it's completely corrected but it does take time to get it stabilized right you know people live their whole lives saying oh my back went out wouldn't yep. you know my back went out? Well, you don't have to yep. live like that, really, for the rest nope. of your life. There are things you can do. Absolutely. Um, and I'm living proof of that. I used to, I was months on a cane with a back issue, but, yep. you know, found my way out. All right, so when you're at the uh, Awaken Fair, what will you be doing? Well, we have a computer there. It's a Surface EMG, and when people come in, we, we, uh, we do a, a mini consultation. We talk to patients and the prospective people, see if they have uh, neck pain, back pain, headaches, any type of neurological condition. We, we talk to them about our, and I'm actually giving presentations a half-hour presentation as well. But we, we have a booth, first of all. And at the booth, uh, I'll be there with a couple of my assistants. And we have a 
surface EMG, which actually tests the function of the nervous system, see if people have pinched nerves. If they do, that could cause their back pain or neck pain or headaches. And then I'm going to be giving a talk, like I said, for a half-hour talk, questions Great. and answers as well. And what is the part about the Make-A-Wish Foundation? That's our favorite charity. And anybody who wants to come in for an evaluation, it's usually $300. And we do events like the Awaken Fair. And we do one or two of these a year. And anyone who makes a donation of only $25, that first visit, which is usually 300 is absolutely free. And we, all that money goes to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So it's a great cause. And we're able to get people in and they can see what we're all about. And uh, a lot of people are suffering and don't even know that there's a, another alternative to either traditional chiropractic or medicine. And you're going to help them out. Our success rate's about 90%. And our patients that come in the door, everyone has already been to either a regular chiropractor or therapist or medical doctor without success. So all of those not complete successes or, or failures get better about 90% of the time. At this event, it's a great event because people there are looking for another option. So the Awaken Fair is a great venue. All right. Where do we go to find out more about you? UCC-NY.com. And we're in uh, White Plains, 311 North Street. That's UCC-NY. It stands for Upper Cervical Chiropractic of New York. Dr. Gertner will be at the Awaken Fair March 26th, a Sunday at the Doubletree in Terrytown. And if you want to get there around 11 o'clock, you can come see me in the speaker room with a fun talk called Life Lessons. Promise to make you laugh a little. Awakenfairs.com. It's a great event for all things happy and healthy. And I leave you today with a sentence from Walt Disney who said, It's kind of fun to do the impossible. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey and Ella's Leash Production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning from 100.7 WHUD.